Welcome back to the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Ben Burnett. Joining me, as always, my pal and yours, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, my friend, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, bud. I'm really excited to be doing the show and not be involved in a head-to-head match anymore. That's always stressful and adds uh, some unnecessary complications to the working relationship. So glad to have that out of the way uh, and come out of victor, of course. I mean, yes, I was going to bring this up too. You beat me to it, and now I feel less bad about immediately jumping into uh, something. I think a bit of a. Uh, I think we kind of have to admit to the listeners, Lewis, that we are a cumulative two and six in the Cupful Tier One this year. Things are not going well for us. No, it's not super, um, but I feel like I'm bouncing back a little bit now that Marner is finding some things, and I've slotted in some uh, new players to replace my kind of studs and duds auction approach that uh, I had some help from Davey B from Stream Scheme uh, setting up in the auction, so I was top in the cupful last week, so you ran into a bit of a steamroller there. I don't want to talk about it. leading the league this week, too, so yeah, we can move on from cupful stuff and start talking about something that is actually depressing for my team. Uh, which is Nathan McKinnon's injury. That's right. So we're going to start over in Colorado. We still don't know the extent of this injury. Um, but I think in the meantime, I'm definitely keeping my eyes on JT Comfer. Five points in his last four games. Uh, he was playing with Sampo Ranta and Kiefer Sherwood when the Avs were healthy Sunday. So he's somebody who you should probably have your eye on him or he should be on your roster by now if he's available in your league. But if Mac is playing, then his stock goes down quite a bit. I mean, he's not a must own in shallower leagues or anything like that. Meanwhile, in Colorado, Kale McCarr back with a regular contact practice jersey today. I would guess he is back by Thursday. Lewis, are you burning your Bowen Byram stock at this point? I mean, yeah, if you got the moves to spare and you want to move on from him, I think uh, it's sure all the signs seem to be pointing to uh, a, a nice return for Makar, uh, a little quicker than we expected. You may want to hang on and wait for a little more information, but you could also squeeze potentially an extra game on Wednesday. Uh, so, you know, strategize. Think carefully about your uh, about your week's schedule. Yeah, I'd probably wait to find out if Makar actually gets into the lineup tomorrow, just because the Avs are playing very soon. I, I think that's a good point about Wednesday, but especially where it's an off-day game. But yeah, absolutely. We are going to chat next about Carey Price, who today issued a statement saying he's recovering from substance abuse and mental health issues. He checked himself into a rehabilitation center a month ago. Uh, last week, it was announced that Price would be back in Montreal this week, and people started to get excited. Uh, fantasy hockey owners, I should say, started getting excited, adding Price back from uh, waiver wires if he had ended up there in any leagues. Uh, it doesn't sound like that's t- his return is too imminent, though. Uh, I think, first of all, obviously, from, from the short shifts and keeping Carlson family, love and respect to the Price family for being somewhat open about this journey and Hopefully it does help to reduce the stigma of mental health in sports and in the real world. Um, But what this means, though, for a fantasy perspective is that we're looking at more weeks of Jake Allen manning the ship. Uh, Allen, before tonight's game, a 900 save percentage on the year. According to Frozen Tools, in 11 games played this year, he's posted a 45% quality start rate and a 36% RBS rate, which is really bad starts. That means there's an over 80% chance that Jake Allen will either blow you up or steal you a game. 
what a roller coaster it's been as a Jake Allen manager. I'm holding in some leagues because I have to, but I think it's pretty clear he's not a number one or maybe even a number two caliber goalie in most leagues, even with that volume. Do you think that the shine has worn off Jake Allen yet, Lewis? I feel like I was yelling about this at the beginning of the year. I hope that folks have caught up by now. Yeah, definitely. So a really bad start would be a start at under an 850 save percentage. Uh, So to be 36% really bad starts is rough. I think that is a big risk. You know, the place that you really like Allen is to be the backup who comes in and plays the occasional game and you stream him in. He's not the kind of person that you want to have with volume on your roster where you're getting him game after game because, like you said, you never really know uh, whether it's going to blow up in your face or it's going to be a nice outcome for you. He did have a very nice save. Uh, today against one of the lines that we're going to discuss on the Kings. So that was good to see. But yeah, I think overall, um, I don't I don't trust Jake Allen uh, outside of being a spot start guy. He's really good when he's on you know rest and is coming in and filling in in spot starts. That's a spot I like to see him. Don't give him to me as your regular volume starter. Are you trolling me right now by trying to rehabilitate Jake Allen? Jake Allen had one good season. When will we as a, as a society acknowledge that Jake Allen's one good year was the fluke? I, I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm going insane, Lewis. I feel like I'm in the Truman Show, but the world that I'm living in, it's just about trying to get me to believe that Jake Allen is better at hockey than anyone has a right to believe. All right, well, you want to move on from Jake Allen, and I want to move on to the next topic after Jake (laughs) Allen. So let's go ahead and make that jump. I want to talk about that line I mentioned in L.A., uh, and it's the second line. Uh, Andreas Athanasiu returned last weekend from an undisclosed injury and earned an assist in his first game back, but the real coming-out party was Monday uh, against the Leafs when his line with Phil Deneau and Alex Ayafalo just went off for three even-strength goals. They controlled 68% of the shot attempts, uh, and they were up against the Tavares-Marner line, so that's pretty solid. Uh, they really worked that group over. Deneau forced a back-breaking turnover from Tavares, basically just took a pass from him and went in and scored an unassisted goal. Uh, Athanasiu had a goal and assist in three shots. Ayafalo had two assists and two shots. Uh, he's also scored here on Tuesday night. Uh, and Deneau had two goals, an assist, and seven shots for, you know, uh, a guy who is considered to be generally a defensive guy. That's a, a, an outstanding outcome for him. You know, and, and like I said, that line was an unbelievable Allen save away from scoring again here this evening. Only Ayafalo out of this group is getting power play one time. Uh, he is on quite the heater. Uh, he had nine points in his last six games previous to Tuesday night. If he's available in your league for some reason, snap him up right away. Uh, if you're in a league where depth scoring is valuable, Athanasio or Deno could be interesting streamers. Maybe Deno is a guy that you can slot in there while you're waiting for McKinnon to come back. They have played two of their four games uh, for this week, so these might be forward-looking ads. Um, but the Kings do have three games next week against Montreal, Ottawa, and Winnipeg, all on the road, but all, you know, pliable enough opponents uh, that they might be able to put up some goals for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, when we're talking about Deneau, I think we often hear how good of his defensive metrics have been. I don't know that he can sustain the scoring clip. As you mentioned, Aya follows the one that stands out here. But this is something where... It would be really interesting to see if Philip Deneau could actually be the breakout star that the on the second line that the the Kings kind of need to take that next step. You know, one thing I will say for Deneau is that his shot rate is up significantly this year. He has never shot over two shots a game, and he's got 2.2 shots a game uh, 
on average here. Now, it's pretty limited sample size, and a lot of it is spiked by that seven-shot game, but that's the sort of thing that you would like to see from him if uh, if you want to you know, consider him potentially having a bit of an offensive resurgence here. As long as we're staying in LA, we've got to talk about Jonathan Quick. Many fantasy GMs, myself included, uh, considered Quick to be a 1B or even a potentially a number two to Cal Peterson this season. I think, you know, we saw that as sort of a passing of the torch type moment. Uh, but Quick is heating up towards a nice return to form this year. He started the year a little slow, a pair of three goals allowed losses to Minnesota and Dallas to start the season. Um, but Quick has started five of the last eight games, and all three of those Peterson games were part of a back-to-back sequence. So that seems like 1A, maybe even true number one status there for Quick. Uh, he's got four quality starts in his last five, which brings him up to 57% quality starts for the season. He does not have a really bad start so far this year. Uh, he seems to have really taken that 1A position, uh, at least, and is playing well for a team that's lost some of its defensive prowess with injuries to Dowdy and Sean Walker. So, I, you know, it might be a little bit rickety there, you know, but he's keeping him in games. And certainly if you're in a league that values volume, uh, you know, he's taken some shots against for sure. Like I said, uh, he really, um, you know, the, the Kings ended up taking it to the Leafs, but before they had a good lead, uh, he really was keeping the Kings in the game. A quick stop, 33 of 34 shots, uh, and added 1.99 goals saved above average, uh, to his total from that game. So that is a, a pretty hefty, uh, goal saved above average score to add in just one game's worth of work. He's only rostered 20% in Yahoo, so he may well be available. I would certainly take him over Allen. I think I'd take him over Vemelka in, uh, Arizona. I think I'd take him over the Detroit goalies because he's going to get more volume than them and is at least, you know, has at least as good of a defense in front. Unless you really need that volume of a true number one, uh, give me uh, Johnny Quick. And if you are one of those Mark Andre Fleury truthers, get rid of that guy. I take Quick in the battle of aging cup winners. I agree on most of those. I think the one that's kind of interesting to me there is Vimelka. Uh, if you're looking for volume, I just feel like. Cal Peterson's got to get going at some point, right? Like, I mean, if you're telling me that you would take quick over all of those guys, I feel like there's sort of a an unspoken something I'm inferring from that is that you're saying Peterson is droppable. Is that am I am I taking a step too far in, in guessing what you're saying here? So I am someone who controls both of these players in the cupful. I am not ready. Them. I don't know. Well, if, I don't know about this language, Luke. <laughs> All right, all right. You know, it's always very murky, I think, when we're discussing fantasy hockey. Sorry, I own them, which is definitely better. I didn't say Um, that. (laughs) So I own both of them in Kakupful, and I am not ready to move on from Peterson yet. I was talking with Mike Amato, who does the uh, goalie post on Diver Hockey. Uh, and, you know, we were discussing sort of this move towards 1-1-A for, for Quick. But, yeah, I'm not ready to move on from Peterson yet. Um, but I am definitely, you know, the next time we see, you know, a standalone start and we see a streak of Quick starts, I think I might be ready to let go. But I'm not there yet. But I'm, I'm getting close. He is having, uh, so far, you know, knock on wood here, a nice game on Tuesday. But uh, the results remain to be finalized here. And it is against Montreal. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I mean, when you say we're until we see another string of quick starts, I mean, you would have to assume he's going to start the next game outside of this back-to-back anyway, right? So, like, you you have that information, or you could probably guess that that's where this is going. 
But are you saying then that you're waiting for a bad start out of Quick or I guess a good another good start out of Quick before you decide to drop Peterson? And- yeah, I guess I'm navigating a bunch of injuries here. Maybe when McKinnon comes back, I'll look at my roster and decide that Peterson is the one to let go. But he has had a nice start, too. And I feel like if both Kings goalies are playing well enough, you know, the way that scoring is done in Kakupful, goalies are quite valuable this season. Uh, so it may be worth it to stick around, even if he is only going to get maybe one start in the next week. Uh, but maybe we'll see how that start goes and I might be ready to uh, let him go. It's certainly getting close. I can't, I can't afford to have him hanging around on the roster for too much longer. Yeah. And I mean, especially in the cupful of league where you need to maximize starts. I, I think there are a lot of leagues where I, I would be having patience with Cal Peterson just because you can see the upside and it's hard to imagine Jonathan Quick turning it around this drastically at this point in his career. Lewis, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into some streaks. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Lewis, I want to give you the first streak this week. I want you to start. Uh, Who are you going to talk to us about first? All right, well, let's go with a cold streak with a glimmer of hope at the end here. And I want to talk about Kevin Fiala. This is a guy who's been disappointing for many fantasy managers. But I want to remind folks, we have been through this song and dance before with slow starts the last couple of years. Uh, I was reading the top 10 disappointments column from Tom Collins, and he kind of gave the optimist view and the pessimist view of each of these rough starts. You know, two seasons ago from Fiala, he had one point in his first eight, and then he had 53 and 56 to finish the year. Last year, he had 14 points in his first 28, and then 26 over his final 22. So we've seen this sort of slow start happen before in the past. His average ice time is up two minutes higher than a year ago. He's still on the top power play unit. He's still averaging three shots a game, so he's not necessarily getting the even strength deployment that we want, i.e. we would like him to be with Kaprizov at five on five, but we know this is a guy who's capable of carrying his own line. Yes, he is on a cold streak, but all of this combined really screams by low to me. Yeah, I think that's great. Uh, I, I agree completely. I think if you regress Kevin Fiala's percentages, he's on a 65 to 70 point pace, which is exactly where he's been the last two years. It sounds right to me. I'm with you 100% there. We're going to hop over to Vegas next. I want to talk about Nicholas Roy or Nicholas Wah. I actually don't know the answer to to this, and I feel like I'm going to get corrected online. Please at me. Um, I feel like I need to take a little bit of a, 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 a mea culpa here because I talked so much trash about Vegas, how nobody was going to be good on Vegas, how whoever was replacing Carlson, whatever. And then... Nicholas Wah, he shows up, and uh, Vintage Vegas, they find another no-name guy to step up in the lineup. Wah has five points in four games since the William Carlson injury. He is playing between Jonathan Marcheseau and Riley Smith, and actually, he's the return in the Eric Halla trade with Carolina from a few years back. Roy is also seeing top power play minutes, and in Vegas's Sunday game against Detroit, he posted seven shots. He's now averaging more than two shots per game. We've got a real Phil Deneau situation here and a hit per game as well. So he's not even really skimping on the multicats. Still no real power play points to speak of because Vegas sucks on the power play and they're apparently never going to score a power play goal again. But Nicholas Roy is a guy who I am definitely considering adding, um, especially in deeper leagues. But I think he's worth a stream in 12, 14 team leagues uh, pretty much universally. Yeah, I think this is quite interesting. You know, we are, have been debating about the, the center situation for, uh, Vegas for quite a while. 
you know, interesting to see him come out and pretty much post more or less what we're seeing from, uh, from Dano. I think I might take, uh, Nick over Phil in this case, uh, just because, you know, that, that deployment is a little higher. And, and like you were saying, you know, the, obviously there's some concern about the power play, but neither is really producing a ton on the power play. So yeah, that's a, a good one to bring up and, uh, someone that I'm definitely interested in for, for a potential streamer here. All right, Lewis, who do you want to talk about next? All right. Well, it wouldn't be fantasy hockey if we weren't seeing contributions from interesting places, and we wouldn't be doing our job if we weren't highlighting some unexpected contributors. So this is very much the case in Buffalo, uh, where Rasmus Asplund has seized the mantle as king of the Rasmai for the time being with 10 points in his last 10 games. I want to give you credit here because this is a guy that you have mentioned a number of times. Uh, a little bit, you know, so far during the season, I wanted to dive a little further on him and where he's at right now. Uh, he's ha- his playing time has been a little bit all over the place, anywhere from 15 to 21 minutes, but he averages out to about 17 and a half a night with Tage Thompson and Olafson when he was healthy and now Skinner. I don't love his shot rate at under two shots a game uh, and his 18% shooting may be a touch high, but he did manage to shoot 20% in 28 games last year. So that's a slightly bigger sample size, certainly. Uh, and, and it might point him to being an, an above average finisher. He's also enjoying 55% of Buffalo's power play time. Uh, and he's triple position eligible, which is always nice for flexibility in leagues that differentiate between their forward positions. Uh, so I would be much happier with Asplund over any of the Arizona options, for instance. Ben, if I sent you a Clayton Keller for Asplund trade offer today, is there any chance you'd take it? I would consider that it's probably comes down to scheduling at that point right because we're talking about a top line top power play winger on one of the worst teams in the league i think i guess probably this is confirmation bias you know recency bias but i would probably roll with asplund uh but they're both to me probably like waiver wire plus options i don't think that i'm sticking with either through an extended cold streak yeah, I'm with you. A waiver wire plus. I think there are a lot of teams where he could be making a more consistent contribution than maybe someone at the bottom of that person's roster. So take a look. All right, Lewis. Now we're going to talk about a couple of defensemen in Philadelphia. I'm going to start with Keith Yandel, who started the season with five points in his first three games. Then in classic Keith fashion, zero points in the seven games since. Here's the thing about Keith Yandel, Lewis. He's not even on power play one anymore. And he's rostered in 40% of Yahoo leagues. I think it's pretty apparent people are holding on to him because of his name value. He should be 0% rostered, maybe 1% at this point. He's useless even in the deepest leagues, and his time on ice is just putrid. He's playing like 13 minutes, 10 minutes some nights. Philadelphia barely wants Keith Yandel, and you should not want him on your fantasy team either. I do want to jump and talk about another cold streak on the Philadelphia blue line, and it's the guy who's taken over for Yandel on that top power play unit. Ivan Provorov, just two points in those 10 Philadelphia games so far, but he did get a power play assist in the three games since taking over for Yandel. He's yet to really do anything with all those minutes, though. Despite the horrible season-long numbers, I think he's still rosterable in deep leagues because of all that opportunity. When I really think about this, though, I think this is all just good news for Ryan Ellis, who had four points in three games before he got injured from power play two. Hopefully he's back soon. He's been a game time decision several games the last couple weeks. I could see him getting a crack on the top unit unless Provorov turns over some kind of new leaf in the interim. 
Yeah, it almost seems like a bit of a too many cooks situation in Philly where they've got all these new guys in and they're just, you know, throwing them in in random spots trying to figure out what sticks. But I agree with you. I think that's a great point that Ellis is going to be the kind of player that uh, can really emerge in this situation, who's just really steady, as opposed to, you know, Provorov, who, you know, maybe some of his offensive development has been stunted a bit because they've wanted him to be this utility knife defenseman who plays in all situations. Yandel is good at only one thing, and when he's not doing it, he's really, really horrible. Uh, so like you said, he should be, you know, uh, jettisoned ASAP. Uh, I'm with you there as well. All right, Lewis, that's all we have time for tonight. For myself, Ben Burnett, I'm signing on out of here. Lewis, why don't you take us out? All right. Well, thank you, as always, for joining us. We so appreciate your downloading our episode. Please feel free to toss up a rate and review as well. That's a good way to get us in front of more people's eyes and ears. Uh, thank You can give us a follow on Twitter at ShortShiftsKK. Brian and Elon can be found at Keeping Carlson. Dave Benton of the Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. Uh, please visit the great sites we research our episodes with at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, Natural Static, and Cupful.com. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach, and until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.